The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. It is Thursday, July 8th. I'm Will Benson. I'm your host. I think I did that backwards from normal, but that's fine. We're still working our way off of vacation. Today's episode, it is the offseason, so we are going to rank the top 10 teams of the Super Bowl era with Brian Diardo in the feed. Notable free agents and possible landing spots, along with some uh, Pats in Kill Harry chatter with Tyler Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully, coming up. The Super Friends back together for the first time in a bit with a Friday episode and a Monday mailbag. And don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your top team of the Super Bowl era. If you're not watching on YouTube, why aren't you? You can go subscribe. You can watch us. You can watch me and random hats talking about football every day. Go subscribe at YouTube.com slash pick six. And by the way, we are also a finalist for the sports category, the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We appreciate everything that you guys do. You guys are the best listeners on the planet. And if you like our show enough, you listen to it regularly or just uh, semi-regularly, do us a favor and help uh, get, get us to the next round. You have to go and nominate us, vote for us. It's in the dropdown. Uh, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Toggle down to the sports category. You got to do like a little, you got to log in, create an, create an account. You can you know, enter my name, Will Brinson, for Podcast Influencer if you're so inclined. And then you'd select Pick 6 from the dropdown of sports. Go vote for that. It helps us out a ton. If uh, if we win the award, I will get a tattoo of some kind somewhere on my somewhere visible on my body. Breaking my vow, Brian, to uh, never get a tattoo in my entire life, mainly because I'm scared of needles. Uh, also, we've included the link at the top of the episode description. Anywho, let's get to the 10 teams in the Super Bowl era. Diardo, what's up, buddy? Hey, Will, and I will say your hat game is strong, man. I got to pick up my game. I've got the free one from this year's Super Bowl, Ooh. but recently my wife told me to mix it up because I've worn this one a little too much. So I might need some hat game advice from you when we get off the pod, man. But uh, as a frequent hat wearer myself, it is very impressive. Are you and Sully purposely trolling me by mentioning all this free swag you got from CBS that somehow I didn't get? Sully did this yesterday. He said, yeah, I love my my, my uh, LIV. Uh, was LIV was LIV Miami or was it the one after? LV was Miami. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't get that one either. So I guess we both could be mad at him. I, this is That's the right. first time I got Screw one you. and I'm rocking it. <laughs> Screw you, Sully. Screw you, Wilson. Screw you, Breach. All you guys who try to troll us. Get out of here. Uh, anyway, so this is the time of the year where there's not a lot going on. I mean, we're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers every single freaking day. That would be a disaster. Uh, and while this might be a good mailbag question, and maybe there's a follow-up question that somebody might have, uh, we had to bring on a CBS. Are you the resident CBS NFL historian? I feel like you might be. I, I must be because no other person in the world would have the, the fears that I have. I just told our boss, Kevin, this the other day, I have a really sad fear of it's the year like 2070, and I'm the only human talking about the 70 Steelers, and somebody's like, dude, just give it up, man. Like, that was 100 years ago. Like, please stop. And I'll be ready to go at that point. Once I can't discuss, like, 80s NFL with somebody. But, yeah, I, I would say so. I, I would say so. I'm definitely not the cap expert. I have no idea how salary caps work. So I'll go, I'll, I'll go ahead and take the historian <laughs> title. 
that's fine. Look, look, when people who cover the NFL, you can't be all things anymore. Right. You got to be able to do, you got to find your niche and lock into certain stuff. Um, and, and look, his, history is important in the NFL. Salary, salary cap math is for nerds. Uh, I try to do everything and do most of it poorly, but uh, <laughs> the, um, we're going to look at the top 10 teams in the Super Bowl era. What, so the criteria, what, what would you say your general criteria of this was? I have to assume, having looked at your list with a notable, I don't want to say notable admission, but at least one criteria is that they have to win the Super Bowl. You got to win it. Right. That's why the 07 Patriots didn't make it. To me, and, it's like you, you, you can't be an all-time team if, if you didn't win it. So, yeah, criteria is overall record. I mean, honestly, I considered the 20 uh, Buccaneers. Like, that's a really good team. But I couldn't justify five losses. Um, and they would have been like 10. They would have been right at the end. But I couldn't justify five losses. So overall record, Hall of Fame players, which isn't everything, just because as, as a lot of people know, like uh, a lot of good players aren't in the Hall of Fame. But I did consider that coaching, obviously. If the, you're coached by Bill Parcells, that certainly helped. There's some of the iconic coaches, Vince Lombardi. Dominance versus the field. Uh, Double-digit victories. How easy was it for you? Uh, that being said, quality of opponents does matter as well. Um, you know, if you pretty much beat up on a bad division or the era that you played in wasn't that good, uh, you went down a couple of pegs. Conversely, if you beat some of the other great teams of all time, uh, then you went up a little bit on my list. So that was the overall criteria. And offensive, defensive standings, mostly points allowed, points given up. That's the most important stat, right? So I definitely looked at those also when making the list. Okay. No, I mean, that makes sense. I was sort of digging through it as well. And um, you know, just pulling stats to talk about it. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, it's weird with these lists. You can, you know, we've been doing top quarterbacks, top running backs. You know, you can kind of guess r- roughly like who's going to be the top two or three. You know what I mean? Like when you were doing like, oh, top, nobody's yelling at Cody Benjamin for his top two quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, it's like Patrick Mahomes is one. Nobody's like, how dare you? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's you can sort of guess who you might see near the top, but the bottom end is, uh, and, and we'll get to those in a minute, the bottom end is, is certainly intriguing, I think. Um, and it, it's fascinating, too, because I, I one of the questions I'll ask you about a, a team in a minute, but, you know, it's hard to put a team from the 60s in context with a team from the 90s. I mean, those, and then a team, for, even a team from the 90s with a team from the 2020s, because the athletes are just wildly different in terms of, you know, like in terms of their physical shape and their ability to perform. I mean, the only real context and comparison we have for some of these guys is like Tom Brady who played against the various teams. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if the 2020 Buccaneers lined up against the 66 Packers, it would be a contest. So that's why I tried not to do the, you know, if this team existed in this era, how would they do? For example, even, you know, 25 years ago, you know, Troy Aikman didn't line up in a shotgun. So, right. you know, e- even then, that team wouldn't apply today. So so I did somewhat compare, like, a little bit, like, for example, like, 72 Dolphins versus 85 Bears. Like, to me, the 72 Dolphins offense was a little bit better than the Bears offense. So that's kind of how I did the comparisons versus, like, how they would, would fare against each other. To me, it was more of the – quality of the units as compared to what year they played in okay well let's get to the list and we start with one of my favorite teams of all time the 1999 st louis rams that's right kids the rams didn't always play in los angeles they actually were in st louis and then arizona before that maybe and 
see like 14 different cities for the Rams. I'm not sure. Maybe the Cardinals are Arizona. Anyway, the Rams, the Rams have moved around plenty. Uh, they're now the Los Angeles Rams, but they used to be the St. Louis Rams. And back then they were called the greatest show on turf. They were 13 and three average 32.9 points per game. We're fourth in defensive scoring, have a host of hall of famers on the team of the team, including Kurt Warner, who has, by the way, this, I mean, we've got to talk about this quickly because it just came out the day that we recorded this. You've seen the preview for that Kurt Warner Disney biopic, right? It looks. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, my God. It. it looks terrible. Oh, terrible. There's like a scene where Kurt Warner's throwing a bag of food in the grocery store, and it, and he, you know, somebody's like going to catch a route. Um, I'm trying to think. It, Dennis Quaid is the plays Dick Vermeil, I believe. Of course he does. Of course, of course, Dennis Quaid's in a movie like this. Of course. Of course. And <laughs> it, it's really, it just looks, it looks really bad. I, hopefully it's not produced by Viacom CBS or Paramount, which, which case I'll be packing my bags. I'm pretty sure it's a Disney biopic, so I'm allowed to trash it. It just doesn't look very good. And that's cool. Kurt Warner deserves a story because he wasn't supposed to be the quarterback of his team. He wasn't supposed to be the NFL MVP. He wasn't supposed to be the Super Bowl MVP. He won all those things because uh, Mark Bulger, oh, excuse me, Trent Green got hurt. And then right. Kurt Warner, Trent, Trent Green gets hurt. Our colleague Trent Green gets hurt. Kurt Warner comes in, takes over uh, Dick Vermeil's offense, Mike March's offense as well. They light it up. They win the Super Bowl. And it's an incredible story with multiple Hall of Famers. Yeah. And I, Kevin Costner should play Mike March. Just throwing that in there. That would be kind okay, of funny. Okay. So that's, I saw, I think it was Mike Golick Jr. mentioned that. He's like, how did Dennis Quaid beat out Kevin Costner? But here's my thing about it. And I, I was about to tweet this, but I was doing it in my head because I'm not sure this is right. Has Kevin Costner ever played a real person in a sports movie? Farland. Ah, you're right. I, I actually didn't realize that. I was That's why I was scared to answer. But I've always had this theory that most of Kevin Costner's movies were just like daydreams he had. Like feel, He's like Field of Dreams or um, Ten Cup. You know, even, even draft day is sort of like just fulfilling a, a, a adolescent male fantasy by virtue of being a famous actor. You know, it, that's always, I mean, he does a good job with him. Like, I love Tin Cup. I, I actually don't think Draft Day was that bad, which is probably a terrible take. I, I like Draft Day. I have a I have a movie take, and Tin Cup is the example. If you remember when a movie came out when you were a kid, and you never saw it when you were a kid, and you see it as an adult, it is like going back in time. If you can't get over how old it looks, and, and maybe it makes me feel bad about my age, I don't know. But if you can't get over that, you can't watch the movie. Like I did that that movie, uh, Ace Ventura. I never saw as a kid. Oh God! Yeah, I, I guess I lived in a in a uh, closet. But uh, but you know, like I I can't. I never. I could not get through Tin Cup. Now that being said, I love uh, I love Field of Dreams. I thought Draft Day was really good. Um, you know, but Tin Cup didn't do it for me. Bull Durham was okay. I thought it was okay. Not not great, but uh, you know. So yeah, there's my Kevin Costner movie review for for your pick six followers, well, not the top ten list. <laughs> that's, just, that's right. Uh, I think I think it maybe like Mita Kimes just pointed this out. She never watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is also I mean almost as egregious as as Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, maybe more. But I don't know that you could go and watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off right now and be like, oh, what an amazing movie! I can't believe I never saw it before. It's sort of you sort of have to have seen it as a kid to really get it. And and I, I can see Ace Ventura being similar to that. Michael Keaton's Batman's are another example of that. Sure, I could see that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, maybe. maybe right? I, hope I love those movies. So if, if, if people disagree with me there, I'm all for it. And I'm super psyched that he's going to be in the next one for sure, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Look, the dark. If you watch The Dark Knight, then go watch Michael Keaton's Batman movies. You're probably going to be thrown for a loop because it's just it's a little different. 
Right. I still take, always take Michael Keaton, uh, ride or die as the number one Batman of all time. At any I rate, there. All right. So let's, let's. Who's the greatest Rams quarterback of all time? Then is it? Uh, it, it doesn't apply. Anyway, back to the greatest on <laughs> turf. A beautiful tangent for the on the ninety nine Rams. Um, was it? Were they? Did you think about having them higher, or is? Because to me, I think about some of these teams. I don't know if they would crack the top five, but I, I could feel like they could push a little bit higher than 10. I may be biased as a, as a gigantic Tory Holt fan. I feel like this defense is underrated. Fourth in defensive scoring. They had several quality players on defense. Uh, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not sure how many guys actually made the Hall of Fame. I need to go back and look at that. Uh, but better defense than people gave them credit for. And I also think they're one of the few teams from the, from not one of the few teams, but the 99 Rams, you plop them in in 2021 and they are they're they're winning a bunch of games like they are not they are they are going to win a ton of games because the offense will fit well the defense is good enough to hold its own again and they have the i mean like marshall falk is a quintessential modern running back tory holt would dominate right now isaac bruce would dominate right now kurt warner in that time and he, he played shoot he almost played into the 2020s even right well to your point they could play today they actually were ahead of their time where yes. they stacked the receivers. They they stacked them almost now where it's like you look at look at the Buccaneers. It's like when AB is your third receiver, you're in business. And even look at all these other receiving cores now. Their third receiver is, you know, 10 years ago could have been your number one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and at, your point on the defense was great. They actually had no Hall of Famers on that defense. But they had a lot of guys where if you watch football in that era, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like, good or little. But his career didn't like Kevin Carter had 17 sacks for that team. Like he's yeah. not in the Hall of Fame, but like Todd Light, for example, like people that remember football back then, like Dre Bly, like very opportunistic kind of kind of quarterback, like Demarco Farr, like so just you know Mike Jones who made the game-winning tackle. A lot of London Fletcher. Wait, Kevin Carter is a Hall of Famer, but not really a Hall of Famer as a Rams player. There you go. Right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So you don't remember for, for that era, but yeah. So. You know, like, uh, and, and again, to your point, and this is what, honestly, when I, because they weren't going to make the cut initially, I think what kind of pushed them over for me was that NFC Championship game, 11 to 6. Like, they outbucked the Bucks, right? Like, they, yeah. they were able to win with grit. And even in that Super Bowl, like, they didn't blow out Tennessee, but Tennessee was a good team. That is a, if we did a list of the best teams that never, that didn't win it, that finished second, Tennessee's making that list. That's a good list to do, by the way. Well, you know, there's a few weeks left in the regular in the offseason. <laughs> well, yeah, just save it for save it for next time. In fact, you know, the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs could even be on that list potentially. Um, oh, no question. If that offensive line is healthy, they yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, good team, high scoring offense. I, I consider putting them a little bit. I think they're good where they are because just like you said, there's not a, a lot of names on defense. Uh, they kind of lack that a little bit. The division they played in that year, the Niners. That's kind of the year the Niners nosedive. So. Didn't face the greatest competition, so that's kind of why I had them kind of closer to the back end of the list. No, that's fair. Uh, and, you know, obviously the next year, the Rams – so Dick Vermeil retired, right? Right after that game, yeah. Right after that game. after that game. With Mike March running the show, they went 10-6 and six the following season, and then, as everyone probably is aware, the following season after that, they went back to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots uh, in Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's first victory. I sort of wonder if that doesn't diminish 
the 99 Rams a little bit. The performance of the 2000 Rams and the 2000, the 2001 Rams are really good, 14 and two, and the number one scoring team. And Mike March looked like they were, they, I mean, they're huge favorites against the Pats. But the fact that they had all of that talent and looked like they were about to, you know, somebody's always about to build a dynasty in the NFL. It's how, how it works. But it felt like they were going to win several Super Bowls. I, I sort of wonder if that doesn't maybe diminish their greatness a little bit. And you're right, the, the 99 Titans, uh, 13 and three, Steve McNair, incredible year, Eddie George. Also awesome. They had that was a loaded team and Javon Curse was a monster that year. That was his rookie yes, season, I believe. And Blaine fun Bishop, fact. who, you know, tough, tough hitting safety. Fun, fun fact. I once uh I've seen Pete Prisco get put in a headlock at 2 a.m. by Javon Curse. So that's that's your story there. That is an awesome yeah. We'll have to I'll have to hear more about that later. <laughs> I have a, I have a, yeah, was that it was at the combine. I have a picture somewhere on my phone. I hope that's it awesome. All right, anyway, moving along to the number nine team here, the 1986 New York Giants. You may recall this team because it has Bill Belichick as defensive coordinator. They allowed just 14.8 points per game on defense. Twenty, They scored 23.2. They went 14-2. They beat on the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll ask you this as we sort of segue into this team. Is Lawrence Taylor the greatest defensive player of all time? I, I don't I don't think so. Like, oh. No, I don't think so. I mean, he was he was a good player. I just I think he's a little overrated. He, oh, he, was, he was great. He, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, he he was really good at rushing the passer. Um, obviously, he was a scary player. But to me, part of what makes you great is how you motivate your team. And Bill Belichick's or Bill Belichick Parcells has even admitted that the reasons why the '80s Giants didn't win more. He said immaturity and lack of leadership. Well, to me, that that's I'm squarely putting that on Lawrence Taylor. He started that season. They lost to Dallas because he wasn't in great shape. So, like to me, and he might be the most. It's almost like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, right? Like Randy Moss might be the most talented receiver ever, but I'm not going to say he's the greatest because it's intangibles to me. That's where like I would rather have a guy like Joe Green who like put his heart on the field every single year than Lawrence. And Lawrence Taylor was not great into his thirties either. These are nitpicky things. The answer is no, in my opinion. All right. So who's your greatest defensive player of all time? Just out of curiosity. I'd have to think about it. I mean, like the issue with Joe Green was he had a pinched nerve halfway through his career. So I like, feel like you're, if you tweeted out Joe Green is a better defensive player than Lawrence Taylor, you're getting assaulted. But although maybe the people who would come at you are not are too old to be on Twitter. That that's actually probably true. <laughs> that is probably true. Yeah, I mean, like, that's who I would pick just because, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, Aaron Donald's amazing. Like, I I, 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 think, be, I I think he probably goes down as the greatest defensive player. Of all he, yeah, I mean, honestly, that could be prisoner of the moment stuff. But, like, that was one of the joys of my job last year when I get put on Rams games. There were there were plays where you would, your jaw was on the ground. Like, he, he single-handedly can take games over. And that's where, like, I know some Steeler fans are upset that, TJ Watt wasn't defensive player of the year. It's like, dude, if you watched one Rams game, that opinion is out the window. Like, again, like short list. He's on that short list already. He's some of the greatest defensive players ever. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the 86 Giants, uh, they are some people may confuse it. By the way, the Broncos got whipped up in this. You know, Broncos had a tough little run in the Super Bowl for they had some bad, bad little run there. <laughs> yeah. 39 to 20, they lost to the uh the 86 New York. Giants. The Giants also beat the 49ers 49 to three in the division game and then beat them, beat this, uh, the Washington football team 17 nothing in the conference championship. How much of a factor when you're looking at this team did that playoff performance play, uh, play a role for you? Big, big. Yeah. When I, when I look at the fact that they beat the next two Super Bowl champions like that, 
Uh, that was the game that Jim Burt knocked out Joe Montana. And Jim Burt would not have probably played the next week or the next two weeks if that happened in today's NFL. But, like, it, you look at the 80s Niners, like, their kryptonite was was the Giants. And now when you know now what Bill Belichick has done in his career, like, that was it. Like, they had his mind with Parcells working in concert. Um, and then their offense was was just good enough. I mean, Joe Morris was a, was a really good running back. That was at the time O.J. Anderson was his backup. Mark Bavaro, who – you know, isn't a Hall of Famer, but was a great, great tight end in his day. They didn't have great receivers, but Phil Simms made it work. And, I mean, that Super Bowl, they played Denver. They were down 10-9 at halftime. They call an onside kick, or they, they they call a fake punt to start the second half, which is a great coaching decision by Parcells. They end up outscoring them 30 to nothing in the second half. Sims doesn't throw a single incomplete pass in that second half, and I actually am one of those. I think Sims is, is really underrated. I know he's a CBS colleague, but like that's just that doesn't matter. Like that's my opinion. I think Sims is a is a really underrated player. It's a shame he got injured in 1990 because if he would have led him to that Super Bowl, he probably would be in the Hall of Fame as a two time yeah. champion. But yeah, the '86 team was dominant. They played in an era where the NFC was just a murder's row, uh, and they came out on top. and And they were a dominant team that's often forgotten. Yeah, I I I think that's a good call. The next team on the list, and we referenced them sort of in the in the intro, the 1966 Packers, 12 and 2 with Vince Lombardi at the helm, 23.9 points per game, fourth in, 11.6 points per game allowed, number one. Uh, and I sort of ruined my question, I guess, by asking them. I initially thought, like, how like how do you think this team would fare against a, like an average 2021 NFL team? They I think they'd be good because they have an identity. Like they know what they're good at. Like, and, and there's two reasons. I mean, they would run the Packers sweep until like the other team figured it out or they could stop it. Like that was Vince Lombardi's thing. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like the Packers sweep was legendary with, was with Forrest Gregg, you know, Jerry Kramer leading the way. Like they had two hall of fame running backs. Like, yeah, like their passing game wasn't great, but like similar to a lot of quarterbacks today. And this is where they would do well. Barstar didn't turn the ball over. He wasn't Joe Namath where he was littering the sky with footballs, but he also wouldn't make the interceptions that Namath made. So their offense wouldn't take them out of games. Maybe they would struggle a little bit in the passing game. But, well, I mean, the big reason why they made the list where they are, their defense was ahead of its time. Uh, You know, Dave Robinson, uh, you know, uh, Willie Lanier, that second, Herb Adderley could play today. Herb Adderley was was a monster. He ended up winning a ring with Dallas. Willie Wood, I mean, that that defense was – was amazing that they, they would be able to play today. Um, they wreaked havoc over the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs were good. I mean, they were the AFL's representative in that Super Bowl, and that defense. Like once they fell behind and had the throw, that the Lombardi unleashed the dog. So they fare well, but I think that their limitations in the passing game would obviously hurt them. Yeah, and I mean, it's also fair to note that if you put the 1966 Packers, and that, that's one of the questions. That's one of the problems with the. How would like Jordan's Bulls versus Steph's Warriors and 66 Packers versus 2021 Chiefs is do the 66 Packers get access to modern playbooks? Right. You know, because if they do, it changes everything. You know, do, if they get a month to prepare and learn these modern playbooks, would they be capable of learning these modern playbooks? You know, there's all it's all these sort of different factors go into it. So I think I think that's kind of tough. But yeah, I mean, look, it's called the Lombardi Trophy for a reason. Right. You know, it's right. not, they haven't renamed it the Belichick trophy yet. He's got, you know, I mean, it's, it's the Lombardi trophy for a reason. And you're right. This team, absolutely dominant defense. And 
with the type of players that you're talking about, I mean, they have multiple Hall of Famers. I mean, it, it would be, it's crazy to suggest they just couldn't compete. So I tend to agree with you there. At number seven, this is kind of fun because the 1998 Denver Broncos, 14 and two, average the second most points per game in the league that year at 31.3, held opponents to less than 20 points per game. You know, this team is remembered, these teams, these Broncos team are remembered because John Elway finally got his Super Bowls. But I think you could argue that Elway wasn't even really the identity of those teams, if if we're being honest with ourselves. It was Terrell Davis, right? Yeah, and the crazy part when you when you review that team was they went 4-0 with Bubby Brister at quarterback. And that's, I mean, Elway, Elway, you know, probably could have played a little bit longer, but he that was his time. He was starting to, the injuries were starting to kind of creep up at that season. And as you said, Terrell was was the MVP of the league, 2008 yards. And he was held out, I think, because they had such big leads. I think they had uh, a bunch of double-digit – they had 12 double-digit wins that season, including the playoffs. So there were a lot of games. I think Terrell, they added up. He missed two games on the bench just because they had big leads. He could have obliterated the rushing record that season. And then right. one of the teams that beat them – and they were actually – they were going for the undefeated season. They were 13-0 and and then lost to the Giants late – and then the, uh, the the Dolphins beat them. And then in the playoffs, they faced them again in 138-3. And that defense wasn't that good. I mean, they were 26 against the pass. But they only allowed, I think, two touchdowns in three playoff games. And one of them was off a of block punt and stuff. So, you know, dominant team, often forgotten about. But uh, Rod Smith, Eddie McCaffrey, good receiver. Shannon Sharp, uh, great tight end, obviously. And an, oper- you know, an, an under, very underrated offensive line with Mark Schleyer, Tom Nealon in that group. Oh, good point. Oh, Stink was on that team. By the way, they had uh, Mike Heimerdinger. They had like a legit bunch of coaches on that roster. Um, Rick Dennison, I, th- I think he was like an OC two years ago, right? I mean, yeah. Rick, am, I, am I crazy in thinking that? Rick Dennison's been around the NFL for freaking ever. I mean, this is sort of the – oh, actually, wait, what am I talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm missing the obvious one, too. Gary Kubiak, who was the OC on that team. I mean, And Kyle Shanahan was holding Mike's cord – it's so funny to watch those because Mike Shannon or, or Kyle's just standing there for all of this history. He's kind of just watching. One knock I want to say real quick on the 98 team. This is kind of why I pushed them back. They didn't get a chance to face the 98 Vikings. Like, Oh, fair, fair. That to me was kind of like – and that's not – that's no, no fault of their own. Like they couldn't get them to the Super Bowl. But had they beaten that Randy Moss 15-1 team, they, they're, top, they're top five in my opinion, but that Falcons team was not very good. And and so they didn't move up, you know, that, that hinders them in my opinion. By the way, Rick Tennyson was an offensive coordinator as recently as 2017 with the Buffalo bills mm-hmm. and was on the, he's an offensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings the last two years. So I, I think you look at this, if you have, if you look at this team, the 98 Broncos and you're trying to pick, I mean, this, I, this would be another interesting list too. Like which, which NFL teams spawn the biggest coaching trees or like, like brand, you know what I mean? Like biggest branches of coaching trees. I mean, this, there's a, there's a lot of really good ones and I'm not suggesting that this is the answer, but, but to your point, if Kyle Shane, does Kyle Shane have a job on this roster or is he just, was he just kid on sideline holding? He's, he, he's, he's smart kid on sidelines. Kind of like, kind of like Belichick's son before he joined the coaching staff. Right, right, right. He was, he was always hanging around like, pick, I want you to, I want you to sit there, shut up, do this crappy job, Eat up, like soak up as much as you can from these guys. All these dudes are going to treat you well. You know, you're my kid. They're not going to treat you like a jerk. So do all this. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, Gary Kubiak. Uh, this probably in the number one, but I mean, just in terms of, I mean, in terms of success for the, all the other guys around it. That's that's got to be up there. And this is a look again, sort of. 
It's kind of fascinating, too, because this team may have spawned uh, Mike Shanahan's decision, which was later articulated in a Seth Wickersham article that came out right before, right after Kyle Shanahan traded up to get Trey Lance, mm. that Mike Shanahan sort of thought, okay, I can win with a limited quarterback and a great running game. I don't need this elite-level quarterback. And so he never chased another one after Elway left. And maybe that cost him his – I don't know, maybe that cost him his job. I was going to ask you this, actually. Um, you know, the sad, the weird part about – and I talked to Terrell Davis a few weeks ago on, on something I was doing with about history, history stuff, and he really was, like, praising Shanahan, like making sure Shanahan got his credit. And, like, his, his career hasn't really aged that well. Like, he's kind of the forgotten – as you said, like he's the head coach on that team and kind of spawned that coaching tree. Like the only other coaching tree that I mean, Bill Walsh's coaching tree with Mike Holmgren and all and all those guys, or, or Parcells coaching tree. But like Shanahan, like maybe it's because Elway retired. They went six and ten. They made the playoffs. They had they only I think they only made it back to one more AFC Championship game with Jake Plummer, and they lost to Pittsburgh. And I think the thing that may have really hurt his career was was how the RG three situation was handled. But like he gets zero Hall of Fame, like. No Buzz and whatsoever. And I mean, he has back-to-back Super Bowls and granted right. he didn't, you know, he only went to the playoffs five times after that only won one playoff game after Elway retired. I think that's probably what gets him to your point. Right. But yeah, I agree. Mike Shanahan should get some sort of buzz about the hall of fame. And what's interesting about the, the, the RG three thing, and this is sort of a tangent on Shanahan, but you know, when he got to Washington, they won. They didn't win the first two years, and they tried to win with John Beck and Rex Grossman. They bring in RG3 in, in 2012 and go 10-6. and six. RG3 tears his ACL in the playoffs, and at that point, every that was like really in the state. I mean, this is right when I've been you – know, I'm two years into my job at CBS. This is when like, blo- like blogging and, and internet NFL coverage was sort of – like spawning in full force. Mm -hmm. And I think all the drama surrounding Washington became a big talking point for those of us doing sort of non associated press writing around the NFL. And so I sort of, I I mean, I wonder not that it clouds our judgment and maybe it does to a degree, but that was a nasty exit in Washington. I mean, it was ugly. There was sniping, you know, they wanted Shanahan's throwing out stuff. They wanted Ryan Tannehill, all that. I sort of wonder if the timing of that, maybe if it it all happened five years before, if it wouldn't have been quite as bad. You're speaking, you're preaching to the choir. Because when I started at my first cover in the NFL, like I was there with AB and Le'Veon and, and all that. And if that team existed now, maybe all that distractions, all that stuff wouldn't have happened. But it was just, it was, the wrong place at the wrong time in terms of sports meeting up with media and where media was. You're, that you're giving these three, the, all these superstars, the social media. I mean, when AB went live in the locker room with the freaking Facebook live. And that's one of the things that's not even discussed anymore? anymore. But at the time it was a huge distraction, a yes. huge distraction. It was unheard of to go live with the video on social media in a, in a, like for an athlete like that. So yeah, I, that's, that is certainly a, uh, an interesting aspect of it in a, Weird. I like I like these spiraling tangents we got going on. Yeah, here. I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, the 1976 Raiders check in at number six, 13 and one. Mad John Madden coaching. Al Davis, the GM, 25 points per game, fourth overall, 16.9 points per game allowed, 12th overall. I got to tell you, when you sort of look at this Raiders team, and I wasn't alive for this team, so I, I'm I'm not suggesting that they weren't good, but the roster is a little underwhelming. Is that is that fair? A little underwhelming when you look at them. 
You know, so here's the irony here. I almost went with the 83 Raiders, but I actually thought that their roster couldn't compare to this roster. Interesting. Um, I, I think, I mean, the, the 83 Raiders, they went on such an awesome tear at the end, but they went, they were 12 and four. I'm not going to put a four loss team on this list. Right. Um, just when you're doing all the, all the criteria stuff. But when I look at like the 76 Raiders, like they have seven Hall of Famers. I mean, they got Stabler, but like, yeah, running back power. I mean, they were, that was more of a stable of running backs, Mark Van Egan. It, to, to your point, Will, that was a group of players that in their era, they were solid. They were good. Almost like Burt Jones. Like, who remembers Burt Jones now? Or Jake Plummer. Who remembers those guys now? But, like, DeMarco Farr. Like, they had a bunch of those kind of guys. Like, they didn't have the, the, the big – like, Phil, Phil Filippiano was a really good player back then. He, you could see him on TV all the time. <laughs> There's no bigger cheerleader of the 76 Raiders than him. But no, I mean they had, I mean they had Kenny Stabler and uh, Boletnikov, who's that the receiver, you know, the awards named after him. The sad part is, I think Jim Double O Otto was not on this team. He retired like mm. after '74. He was gone. But that left side of that offensive line with with Gene Upshaw and Art Shell, it does, it just does not get better than that. So they didn't really need a Franco Harris or or Tony Dorsett. They just needed some running backs. Well, and maybe, and maybe that, maybe that's maybe that's the issue here is that this is a team that's defined more by its offensive line yes. and more by the more by trench warfare than anything else. And, right. and that's, that's just part of the late seventies football. And that, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest they're not good. It's just that right. I think when you look at them, maybe the identity, I mean, this is, and this is where the Raiders identity, you know, this is where, you know, the wind, you know, the autumn, autumn wind is a pirate. I mean, this is where, you know, the lore of the Raiders comes into play. I guess that it's, it's, it's harder for, and maybe it's, I mean, I'm old, I'm 40, but maybe it's just hard for, it's hard to, you know, because we didn't, I didn't, I wasn't alive watching them or didn't grow up watching them. It's a, it's almost harder to, even with the, the benefit of NFL films and Steve Sable and all the work they did, uh, maybe it's just harder to, to grasp that, that team as a whole, but it, or it just to sense their dominance, I guess. Yeah, and they, I mean, again, to your point, and I mean, they're on the list, so like, I, I don't want to like knock them too much, but like, they won a lot of like close games. They weren't like a dominant team. Again, I would probably argue the 83 Raiders on this list, but again, just, just not enough dominance during the regular season. But like, they were 16 and one, and, you know, again, though, but they shouldn't, they probably shouldn't have been in the Super Bowl because they beat the Patriots on in the, in the divisional round on a roughing the passer penalty that was really shaky. And the Patriots, they're the only team to beat them in the regular season. So, you know, they could have – and then they faced the Steelers, who had just won back-to-back, but Franco and Rocky Blyer, who just went – for both went over 1,000 in the regular season, both didn't play in that game. Mm. So they – their path – it's almost like the Phoenix Suns right now. Like, their path was pretty easy. But when they got there, they faced a, a Viking team that had been to three previous Super Bowls, didn't win any of them, but they smacked them. Like, and that was back then when the whole narrative was – you know, experience is better than maybe a team that might be better on paper, but like there, there was a, a big hype about, oh, if you've been there before, it's a huge 16 and one. And I can't ignore that. But yeah, not the most star studded team. Their defense had some pretty good nicknames of Skip, Dr. Death, Thomas, and Jack the Assassin. It doesn't get better than that. They led the penalty too. So, so they kind of got their own way at times. That, that's true. And look, again, John Madden, obvious Hall of Fame. You know, coach and broadcaster Al Davis. Is Al Davis in the Hall of Fame? Are you going to put Al Davis in the Hall of Fame? Probably not because he sued the NFL so much, right? Right, but he should be. He should. He should be. be. Based on this first, the the first twenty-five years of his career, he should be right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, Al Davis is one of those two where the latter stage of his life, 
you know, sort of became a, a punchline. And Al Davis is one of the key figures in NFL history. And and this team maybe defined sort of the kickstarting of all that. So yeah, I I'm I'm I guess it's 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 a box score box score historianism to nitpick on the on the 76 uh Raiders there. All right, let's take so a break. Quick. Hall, same thing real quick. Sorry, oh, yeah. Rebecca, I'm glad that's glad Stabler made it finally. Unfortunately, it was yes. right after he passed. But, you know, he called his own plays. And, again, hot take. But, like, and I'm not saying he was better. But if I could have any quarterback from the 70s, that's who I'm picking. I'm picking wow. Ken Stabler over Bradshaw, over over Staubach. Like, like he he had a flair for the dramatic. And he he had ice in his vein. All, all the old cliches you want to throw out there. Like, Blend, or, uh, Cliff Branch should, still be, should also be in the Hall of Fame. But, like, I think Cliff Branch is in the Hall of Fame. Did he? I'm sorry? Is he not, is he not in the Hall of Fame? No, he should be, but he's not. Right. He's, you know, yeah, he passed away. You know, last year without making it, but uh, yeah, glad Stabler finally made it because I think he's his career is really underappreciated. And uh, you know, again, like I would put him over any quarterback from that era. If you want a uh, a really spectacular, if you want to see some really spectacular photos, go search for Ken Stabler Speedboat on on Google Images. There's an incredible picture of just a long-haired, bearded, Kent, shirtless Ken Stabler flying through the air in a gigantic, in a speedboat from uh, the so at some point in the 1970s. Then, like, alongside that is, like, Ken Stabler with a cig hanging from his mouth, dad shorts, 70s dad shorts, uh, and playing <laughs> pool. And then Ken Stabler, like, snuggling with a um, fairly attractive young blonde lady. Uh, in what appears to be shirtless, and he's shirtless in what appears to be some sort of uh, bar down by the beach. And uh, Ken Stabler, very on brand for Ken Stabler. <laughs> yes, I guess it's like Ken Stabler never got the recognition as a quarterback, but like dude off the field. I wish, see, I wish he was around in the 2020s because he would have, he would have, he probably couldn't have survived. Like you can't, dudes like this don't show up anymore and make it. You know, it's like Chad Kelly or Johnny Manziel just wipe out, and and it's a shame because. Like Ken Stabler, you know, there's another one where he's just flicking off, just flicking off the camera while wearing a silver and black attack shirt. Oh yeah. Every oh, Ken Stabler photos are, 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 are a treasure trove. So highly recommend checking those out. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Deodor's top five teams from the Super Bowl era. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track, all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Ensure you can take on any adventure available H track, all wheel drives. So you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud standard third row seating. So your whole family can experience the thrill together available dual wireless charging pads. So no one gets stuck in the great outdoors, with the dead phone, whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip. Maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so since I've managed to close my rundown as we were going through this, but I think I remember it was 92 Cowboys is number five. Nailed it. There we go. 92 Cowboys, 13 and three, 25.6 points per game. Second in the NFL, 15.2 points per game allowed fifth in the NFL. And the first of three triplets championships, the first of two Jimmy Johnson championships and a dominant, dominant beat down of the Buffalo Bills, the, the 1990s punchline of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, they're they're. I mean, this obviously doesn't go into the criteria, but if you ask me to to sit down and watch any offense play ever, ninety nine Rams are. I'm going to ponder it, but give me the Cowboys of that era. That, you, you just talked about with the Raiders, awesome photos. There's a photo of Getty of the Cowboys huddle, uh, an overhead shot in Super Bowl twenty eight, and it's just like Moose Johnson, Nate Newton, Michael Irvin. It's just Emmett Smith. It's just like that. That was a machine. It was a machine. That's the best way I can describe it. It is obviously the, the workhorse was Emmett Smith, but I mean Aikman, it was a precision passer. You know, Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, a great number two receiver. Uh, yeah. Jay Novacek, a guy that I think should get more Hall of Fame consideration. Um, and the defense, uh, Ken Norton Jr. kind of led that group. I mean, underrated. Um, they didn't have any pro bowlers on that team, but but they led the league, I think, in fewest yards allowed. They were fifth in points, but they were Tops and yards allowed. They outscored their playoff opponents 116 to 47. And yeah, I mean, they blew out Buffalo. People remember the Leon Lett thing, but really their highlight or their big moment was when they beat the 49ers, who at that point were kind of king of the hill in the NFC championship game. They got a little luck because there was a Jerry Rice touchdown called back by some offensive lineman penalty. But nevertheless, they won. Uh, really complete team. And, and Jimmy Johnson, that's really when. Uh, he kind of changed the game where like trades back then weren't really a thing until Jimmy Johnson came in and the Herschel Walker trade that kind of spawned the birth of the nineties Cowboys dynasty. And, and really, uh, and if you're looking for a summer book, Jimmy Johnson's book that's been out for, I don't know, 30 years, good read. If you're looking for, for something to read, uh, really good insight into that team coaching tree. Again, North Turner was offensive coordinator, Butch yeah. Davis, who ended up coaching in the hurricanes was on that staff, but Really complete team, dominant team, the most fun offense of all time, in my opinion. A good call on the on the coaching staff. So you got Dave Wanstat, who would go on to be a oh yeah, head coach of the Dolphins, duh. and yeah. obviously coach Pittsburgh later. North Turner, head coach in multiple spots, maybe the greatest offensive coordinator of all time. I think you could argue, which is people take that as an insult. You know, there's a meme going around on it was going around on Tuesday or Wednesday where it's like, what's the worst compliment you've ever received? Mm -hmm. like, Norv, like Wade Phillips is the greatest defensive coordinator of all time. You know, right. like I think it's I think it's Wade Norv is the answer for for OC for DC and OC. Uh Dave Campo would later be the head coach of the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Butch Davis, again, as you mentioned, I mean, he he led the Hurricanes to titles and he right. actually had a pretty good Browns team and had a good thing going at Carolina before a, uh, a, a school-wide scandal wrecked, a school-wide academic scandal tore down the very essence of, 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 uh, of uh, I'm just going off of Carolina right now. <laughs> anyway, man, what's crazy about this is it, this team was built on the Herschel Walker trade and also was torn down by J Jimmy, Jerry Jones's, own pers like personal arrogance or not even arrogance, right. but 
desire to get credit for a Super Bowl that Jimmy Johnson essentially, you know, three Super Bowls that Jimmy Johnson built. Right. I mean, nobody, 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 and Jerry knows this. That's why he's still searching for this Super Bowl as a GM. Everyone knows Jimmy Johnson won those Super Bowls for Jerry. And yeah. Jerry is been allowed his own desire to be get credit for a Super Bowl to push away Jimmy Johnson, who, you know, one of the greatest football coaches in the history of the sport, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and great psychologists. And they were really good. They were one of the first teams that really did the in-game substitution. So early in that game, Buffalo actually had a lead early in that game. And, and what they were doing was uh, they were doing the no huddle, which Jim Kelly and them like to do. So the Cowboys couldn't substitute their nickel defense. So in Jimmy Johnson's book, he goes, I just left the nickel defense in the rest of the time. And then they did a few things where they moved some players around. Like, And I think that's when you read teams that lost the Super Bowl, oftentimes they said, we just tried to change too much. Like we tried to change our identity. Like, like why would we go away from our strength? The Cowboys never under Jimmy Johnson deviated from their strength, but they weren't afraid to change a couple of things to throw the other team off guard. And I'll share one quick story to your point on they won one with Barry Switzer. Moose Johnson, their fullback back then, said in a documentary once, after they, they beat the Steelers in Super Bowl 30 without Jimmy Johnson, one of his assistant coaches said, this is the greatest achievement I've ever seen any team achieve. And Moose goes, why? He goes, because you guys won in spite of the coaching. Wow. Like That's how loaded that roster was. Yeah, that's how loaded that roster was. They would have won four or five had that group stayed. It's, it's very much Kobe and Shaq what would have happened. That Cowboys team left at least one title on the table had Jimmy Johnson. At least one. At least one. Right. I mean, Jimmy Johnson made the Hall of Fame and he coached for like what? Six years? Eight eight years and and four more with the Dolphins or three with the Dolphins. I mean, he didn't coach very long. And he still made the Pro Football Hall of Fame because of all that he did that went into what he did as a coach. And the broadcasting helps and all that. But yeah, I mean, Jerry screwed it up. That's the bottom line. You know, Jerry... And Jerry hadn't won a Super Bowl since. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it and it was it was you know Jimmy took got the and I'll give I'll give Jerry Jones at least this much credit. Like when he hired Jimmy, he hired him. Yeah, yeah, he hired him, and the understanding was we're going to be bad for a while. Like we're, we're, this team's going to be really bad. Like like and I mean it's cliche, but but Jimmy means it. He he believes that his his Hurricanes teams that he left would have beaten that first Dallas team. He's He's convinced of it. And he might be right, honestly. Oh, that, if they would have beaten – so the Hurricanes team that he departed in uh, – what would it be? 89, 88, 89. 89 would have beaten the 1990s Cowboys. Cowboys. I, I, that's not that's not out that outrageous? No, they went 1-15, and, and Miami won the national title. So, yeah, it's not outrageous at all. <laughs> oh, that's they, they won with Dennis Erickson, right? Yeah, yeah, Dennis Erickson took over, and they won two more. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. – yeah, definitely. I think like like he pretty much got Randy White to retire. I mean, pretty much Dallas at that point was like a it was a mom and pop shop whose prime was like ten years ago, and they yeah. were kind of just still living off of that old that old name. Everything they did, I mean, they were losing millions of dollars every year. So Jerry Jones came in and he pretty much told Jimmy, "I'm handling the business side. You handle the football side, and we're going to make sports history." And they did, and he allowed Jimmy time. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was coach of the year in 1990, and they went seven and nine. Yeah. I mean, when is a losing coach been coach of the year? So. You know, and he took a shot at Emmett Smith. He took a shot at, I mean, uh, you know, Troy Aikman. Who they drafted two quarterbacks when they drafted uh, Troy Aikman. Right. He got he got Steve Weish and put them against each other, which he said he also wasn't afraid to upset players at the beginning. Like, like he, him and Troy Aikman didn't start off great, 
But as you saw, you know, when when uh, Johnson made the Hall of Fame, Aikman was was emotional. And Aikman missed that discipline that Jimmy said. And again, though, I will say one thing too. Maybe maybe it was time because Jimmy even said near the end of '93, and this is why there's never been a three peat champion. Jimmy said by the end of '93, he was he was not somebody he liked being around. He was angry. He was agitated. It, it wore him down. I mean, it's it's. I mean, and today, I mean. Nobody's won back-to-back since the 04 Patriots. I mean, right. you just saw it with the Chiefs. Even just to get back is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so we say they would have left one on the table, but maybe, I mean, may, maybe they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe they, they probably, repeat that next year or something like that. Maybe they repeat and Jimmy just walks away from football or something like that. But yeah, I mean, exactly. you win. You win that many times in a row, and it, it, you're you're playing extra games. You know, it's an extra. You know, you could. It, you know, it compresses your schedule for the offseason. It forces you to work harder over a month and a half or two months longer than you normally would if you, you know, go seven to nine. So certainly it makes a difference. The 84 49ers check in at number four. They went 15 and one, 29.7 points per game, second in the NFL, which is a little surprising, I guess. 14.2 allowed. That's first, though. Maybe that's the surprising thing about this team that the defense may have actually been better. Than the offense, I, I, I don't. I want to. I don't know. Do you think the defense is better than the offense? It was really every every starting member of their defensive secondary was in the Pro Bowl that year. That's insane. Yeah, they were. They had. T- I mean, they don't. So, so you talked earlier about the '76 Raiders. The '84 Niners really don't have a lot of star power. I, I think they have two Hall of Famers: Ronnie Lott or Fred Dean. Fred Dean got in late. Some of that was because of the Chargers, but so not many Hall of Famers. But that they had ten Pro Bowlers. Obviously, Joe Hall- Montana. Well, they had Joe Montana, obviously, but Jerry Rice got drafted that fall or that spring. Correct. Jerry Rice isn't even on this team. Jerry Rice is not on this team. That's right. Yeah, so that's where it's hard. It was hard to put them here uh, instead of the '89 team that went 14 and two. But Ronnie Lott's on record saying this team was better. So who might argue? So if you know, so in some situations you defer to the guy that was on the team. So I'm going to go ahead and defer to Ronnie Ronnie Lott here. But I mean, and also too, they're. Their postseason success was more impressive. I mean, they beat that Dolphins team in the Super Bowl that, like, you know, Dan Marino and, – and I know now this, these numbers aren't that insane, but in 84, Marino threw for 5,084 yards and 48 touchdowns. Oh, no, it's still impressive. It's still impressive. It's still impressive. But back yeah. then it was just like, what on earth is happening? Yeah. And they didn't score a single point in the second half of that game. That's um, crazy. Yeah, I mean, that was a complete team. And, and they beat the Bears and the Giants in the playoffs by a combined score of 44 to 10. Those were the next two Super Bowl champions. So they, I mean, and the only loss they had was against the Steelers on a on a bad pass interference call. So it will it kind of blows my mind because the eighty four Bears or the eighty five Bears next year have the same record, a less impressive Super Bowl win in terms of opponent, but the eighty four Niners are they get so much more press than the eighty four Forty Niners who, in my opinion, have a much more impressive resume. So I what's I think it's kind of interesting the two two teams I noticed this with. Um, and the, so the 88 49ers went 10 and six, right? And the really dominant season for the 49ers was in 89 when they went 14 and two, right? George Seifert's coaching that team. I sort of wondered, did you, and you, I, th- I felt like you with the 83 Raiders or 76 Raiders, you went with the Madden team and you yes. went with the Walsh team. Was there, was that, is that subconscious? Is that purposeful? I mean, cause it, to me, it makes sense. Like nobody's taking George Seifert over Bill Walsh. Right. Nobody's Tom Flores. Great. But nobody's taking over John Madden. And so I almost wondered, do you defer a little bit to like because Madden and Walsh built those teams and then somebody came sort of like Barry Switzer in 96. Nobody's going to take the 96 Cowboys or the 92 Cowboys. Well, no. And to your point, I actually think the 95 Cowboys, they they were were more seasoned. 
I think there's parts of the 95 Cowboys that are better than 92 because they knew they could do it. Emmitt Smith actually was better in 95 than he was in 92, in my opinion. Um, and Aikman was a better passer, all that stuff. But, yeah, it did, it did come into play. Um, but at the same time, like, I struggled because Jerry Rice also wasn't on this team. But, but right. to me, to me, this team was much more balanced. Like, they had two really good tight ends. Russ Francis was really good back then. He's kind of forgotten now. The Niners had Wendell Tyler and Roger Craig. They had Dwight Clark and Freddie Solomon. So it, it was a team that would they could they could beat you in a number of ways where the 89 team is like, we're throwing it to John Taylor, we're throwing it to Jerry Rice, we're throwing it to Brent Jones, we're giving the ball to Roger Craig, we're throwing it to Tom Ratham, and that's it. This team, it's like, oh, you want to take away Roger Craig? Then we'll give it to Wendell Tyler. You want to take Russ Francis away? We're going to throw it to Freddie Solomon. This team, and, and, the, and the Dolphins saw it. I mean, I mean, in the way Bill Walsh designed that Super Bowl, they were tired of the Dolphins getting all the press, so they systematically – it was almost like a boxing match where instead of knocking a, a team out in the third round, they just kind of messed with them and kind of just weaned on them, and then by the 10th round, all of a sudden – it was just taking, you're, taking, you're taking body you, – body blows are all beat up and you just can't take any shots. Yeah. Uh, they, their playoff point differential – I guess they're, they're, they outscored their playoff opponents 82 to 26. That's, yeah. And as you point out, that's part of the big – criteria for uh for some of these teams the 85 oh excuse me before we get to the 85 bears saturday on cbs the big three makes its return to cbs with a host of nba legends like dr j that's julius irvin kids lisa leslie gary payton and gilbert arenas coaching of former champions and stars including nate robinson joe johnson swaggy p nick young and a whole bunch more plus the new bring the fire rule takes the excitement to the next level summer hoops are here with the big three saturday starting at 12 30 eastern on cbs uh i'm wondering is the i need to hold on i need to look and see if the um no you know what i don't need to look there's a the, my my boys from nc state are on on a roster and i don't but i don't know if it's uh i don't know if it's the big three or, or it's i don't want to i don't want to promote the uh the wrong tournament is there a wolf Debo? is there a wolf blood team on this no there's not never mind we're moving on the 19 <laughs> is there a wolf blood team on this <laughs> it was like just be quiet please Brenton, go to the next thing the 85 bears 15 the 85 bears quintessential team when you talk about defense uh 15 and one coached by mike ditka of course they were actually second on offense 28.5 points per game scored 12.4 points per game allowed this is one of those teams where i think when you start talking about you know mentioned references earlier like the big three up top nobody's surprised when you put the 85 bears in here right no, I mean, I'm sure Chicago fans are mad that they're not. Usually they're number two here. Like, sure. usually they're number two and the Dolphins are number one, 72 Dolphins. But, but yeah, I mean, you again, it's like greatest running backs ever. Who are always in that list? You got to have Emmett Smith, you know, uh, Walter Payton, Jim Brown. And, I mean, there's usually just like four guys and you could kind of put them anywhere. Like, the top four to me is, is that way or the top three to me. You can put them in any order and there's a good argument for either. So, yeah, I mean, that, and you said it, Will. I mean, the the kind of the forgotten thing of the 85 Bears was they were also second in scoring. Like, that offense could score. They had Willie Galt, who was a great sprinter. And, and I don't know who your greatest running back of all time is, but, I mean, Walter Payton Barry, certainly is in the mix. Barry Sanders for me, but Walter Payton's in the mix for sure. Well, that was the fourth one. So, it's Emmett, it's Barry, it's Jim Brown, it's Walter Payton. And, yeah. and whenever you debate running backs, those are the four that no matter what order you put them in, you can – you can kind of be okay with it because that is the best four. I agree. Uh, yeah, Barry, Barry's up there. But, like, Walter was still in his at the peak of his powers. He was 31, but he went for over 1,500 that season. They had the Fridge, who was that lovable 
million pound rookie, unofficial statistic, the heaviest player to ever score a touchdown in a Super Bowl. They outscored their playoff opponents 91 to 10, 14 double digit wins, five Hall of Famers. But why they're three and not higher? Um, they, similar to the 98 Broncos, uh, I mean, they didn't get to face in the Super Bowl the team that could have beaten them potentially. And that's the only team that did beat them, which was Dan Marino and the Dolphins, mm. who exploited the only weakness the 85 Bears really had was you could get quick passes off against them because their pass rush was amazing. So you had to be able to get off get off quick passes, which Dan Marino, that was his MO, was that he can get quick release. Quickly. Yeah. Right. So they were upset by the New England in the playoffs. So by the time the Super Bowl happened, it was a kind of a foregone conclusion. The other knock was they didn't face great quarterbacks in the playoffs. I mean, they faced the, you know, I mean, they had Eric Dickerson in the Rams, but like, and Phil Sims was really good, as I said earlier, but the elements that day with the wind and everything, there was no way Phil Sims was going to have success. So great team, 85 Bears, but I have them at number three. Mm. Uh, 11 games, including the playoffs, where opponents score. No, excuse me. It's more than that. It's uh, three. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen games where opponents scored ten points or less. That's pretty crazy. But I mean, your path does matter. You're, I think the Suns comp you made earlier, Deardo, is good because I was having this argument with people. I was like, the Suns are a really good basketball team. They are. Yeah. And so I was like, well, yes, but where do they rank in the last 20 years? I was like, well, it's higher than you think. And you start looking, you're like, all right, no, it's it's actually it's pretty low. Yeah. Most of these teams are. Kobe and LeBron, Kobe or LeBron, or you know, you know Tim Duncan's incredible Spurs. It's there's only a couple of teams that sneak in like this, and so I think when you're talking about greatest teams of all time, so you reverse engineer it. We're talking about greatest teams of all time. You have to check every box, and if you get an easy path in the playoffs, you know that's going to ding you a little bit, right? Well, it's nitpicking, right? It's nitpicking. Yeah. Well, when you're making a list like this, you you have to nitpick. The third greatest team in pro- professional football history. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to be nitpicky. And to me, if they would have beaten, if they would have did to Dan Marino in that Super Bowl what the Niners did the year before, you, it would be incredibly hard to argue against this team. The only other argument you could, you could look at quarterbacks like, you know, Jim McMahon was very good for that team that season. He's not an all timer. So, I mean, there are, the receiving core wasn't great. So there are some things you can, you can nitpick. Um, also, too, that defense did give up some points early in the year. So I don't want to say they were overrated, but uh, I mean, the 76 Steelers who didn't win a Super Bowl, so they weren't qualified for this list, they allowed 27 points in a nine game stretch. So, like, you know, for, for an entire season from week one to the end of the year, there's not no defense more impressive than the 85 Bears. But weeks one in the regular season, though, there have been teams, maybe even the 2000 Ravens, that were as impressive, if not more. In terms of nastiness, toughness, and enduring legacy, no team's better than the 85 Bears. That team is aged better, I would I would say, well, than any Super Bowl champion ever. I mean, that team, maybe because they haven't won since, the characters on that team, how America just rallied. So you talk about um, uh, Shanahan's Washington team. Wrong place at the wrong time in terms of social media and team. This was the opposite. This Good was call. the right team at the right time. The Super Bowl shuffle. Yep. And by the way, if you're, if you're doing um... – if you're doing coaching trees and you really wanted to stretch it out, you know, you have Buddy Ryan who eventually yeah. became a head coach and who's son Rex Ryan, obviously influenced by Buddy. Uh, I don't think Rex wasn't on the Rex wasn't on the on this roster. He wasn't he wasn't he wasn't on the coaching staff here, was he? He would have been too well, he was partying in college somewhere, I think. Yeah, but yeah. you know who was on the coaching staff that actually doesn't get a mention on pro football reference, Jeff Fisher. Yes. And then you gotta factor in the 
Ron Rivera and Leslie Frazier were both on the defense. So if you wanted, yeah. to, if you wanted to cheat a little bit and say, all right, here, and I, I'm not missing anybody else that was a head coach from the from the defense, was I? I don't think so. I, I, I think, don't think I mean, so either. But I mean, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot. And you got, of course, tons of tons of tight ends. I mean, ton, I mean, tons of Hall of Famers on the on this team. But Mike Singletary, what am I talking about? Yep. So you got three head coaches from the defense of Buddy Ryan's defense, which is kind of crazy. Like that's that's just something that doesn't you don't see happen very often. Uh, all right. So the number two team. You've mentioned them already, the 1972 Dolphins. This shouldn't rankle anyone, Diardo. I'm sure the team that ran the table and went undefeated, not being the number one team, won't make anybody mad whatsoever. They were first in scoring 27.5 points per game, first in points against 12.2, and they ran, again, they ran the table. They went 17-0, the only NFL team in professional modern professional football history to do so. I, I mean... I guess you could say that they're not as enticing as maybe other teams. I mean, they're great, but were they? Why are they number one? I guess it's the seventy-two Dolphins. Why are they number well, one? Well, I'm, I'm really happy I don't live in Florida right now, and I'm, yeah. expecting, I'm expecting a call from Mercury Morris any 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 minute now. But <laughs> right. I just like to me, they didn't. I I want to say they Do didn't. They lack star power. They actually don't have a. They only have one Hall of Famer on defense, which which that actually is perfect because they were named the No Name Defense, right? Right. So maybe Bill Stanfield may have been the second one. I know that uh, Bonacani is in the Hall of Fame, but I'm not sure if they have any other ones. Many, but they have really good players. Many Fernandez, Jake Scott, Dick Anderson, like really really good defense for that time. Um, to me, they they did not face a single team in the regular season that had a winning record. Like is that, that is that true? That's yeah. I mean, the Chiefs were seven and seven. I don't think they faced a single team. Maybe the Chiefs were eight and six. I, mean, I, was, I know that as a professional football writer, but that's terrible. Yeah, they don't. How does they, that even happen? Their their strength schedule that year was in, was incredibly weak. So, um, and then they go to the playoffs. Negative four point two seven. What's that? Their strength of schedule according to Pro Football Reference negative four point two seven. Yeah, they if there was the Chiefs, if there's one team that would have had a winning record, it would have been the Chiefs, but they would have been eight and six. Um, so that would have been it if there was a single team that had a winning record. So they faced their strength of schedule was not impressive. Um, they did not face one of the stronger Super Bowl champions. I mean, the the the, the okay, the, the Dolph or the Washington's nickname that year was the Over the Hill Gang. So I don't really have to say anything else. Like that right. was their nickname. Uh, they didn't face Staubach and the Cowboys or anything like that. Their two playoff wins, uh, you know, one against the Steelers, who are still kind of up and coming. Single-digit wins. I mean, this is a great decision, coaching call. They had a fake punt to beat the Steelers, which was, you know, a great move. But, like, they had to – they barely eat that one out. Now, I've been nitpicky. The positives, amazing defense, number one offense and defense. Paul Warfield, great receiver, ahead of his time. Larry Zonka and uh, Mercury Morris were the first pair of teammates to rush for 1,000 yards in a season. So, I give all the credit to them. 17-0, 17-0. They'll always be remembered as one of the greatest teams ever. But to me, their lack of competition and their lack of dominance, they ne- they really didn't I – mean, they have 11 double-digit wins, but none in the playoffs. So to me, you know, there was, there was lack of dominance there, and that's why they fell to number two. So your 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 point here – I don't care if you say a word anymore. This is what I get for not eating for two days in a row. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, what you're saying is that the 72 Dolphins were a really good football team who just happened to – luck into being an epic football team because of the circumstances surrounded them. Well, yeah, 72 Chiefs were eight and six. 
That's the only team they beat okay, with a winning okay. record that season. So just just to clarify that, but I, I think just, just to clear, like so just so people know the so the 2020 Chiefs had a .20 strength of schedule, which is not you know, dominant. I mean, most right. Super Bowl champions are not going to have just incredible. Last year's Buccaneers had a .82. The Dolphins were negative four and changed. That is, a, they didn't play anybody. Right. They, the, the best team they beat was two games over 500. And then they, they had three double, they had three single digit wins in the plus. They took advantage of it, which give them all the credit in the world. They had 11 double digit wins. They had, they, they did have some impressive victories, but largely they, they, it was just like, you know, nobody's, nobody's killing Belichick and the Patriots for playing in an overall bad division for, for two decades. Like people, people try to, but I mean, people try to, and that that's why the Oh four Patriots, one of the reasons why they just, miss the list is because of that fact but you know to me like when again when you're being very nitpicky the fact they beat one team with a winning record and then really didn't do anything to knock your socks off in the playoffs is is you know that's that's the main reason why not not to mention that you know their offense they I mean greasy has a Super Bowl record for fewest pass completions by a starting quarterback so like sure. They, they didn't really I don't, Greasy, I don't, he's going to work for C. He works for ESPN, so we can say this. Not sure why he's in the Hall of Fame. I'll take Phil Sidney and either. Greasy all day. If you go on Pro Football Reference and you click on the 72 Dolphins, you click on the, the, the starting roster, Earl Morrill is listed at quarterback because he actually led them to more of their wins. And then in the AFC Championship game, Don Shula, again, great coach, Don Shula, he made the decision to say, you know what, like Morrill doesn't have it. He put Greasy back in. They won that game. And then Greasy won the Super Bowl, and then he was the starter when they won it the next year. I would argue the 73 Dolphins are better than the 72 team, but they have two losses, uh, so they didn't make the list. Do you, there's, I think the 04 Pats is actually a pretty good comparison to the 72 Dolphins, just in terms of like decent, other than much much harder strength of schedule overall, and they had to beat Peyton Manning so in the playoffs, and that's obviously and, and the Steelers guy, and then Andy Reid Eagles. So I mean, maybe I just just roster construction wise, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, we can, we'll move on to the number one team because our tangents are taking just a touch too long, but that's all my fault. And people don't really care. I'm sure the 1978 Steelers Homer alert, Homer alert. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys, you have a, you I, was looking, well, I was looking for a terrible towel. I couldn't find it. You know, I didn't have it handy on me. <laughs> the Steel, 78 Steelers are 14 and two fifth in terms of points for 22.3 first in terms of points against 12.2. They uh, snuck by the uh, the Cowboys, 35-31 in the Super Bowl. Explain why the Steelers from 78 are better than the 72 Dolphins. Half their starters were in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame president, Hall of Fame owner. Uh, Bradshaw was league MVP that year. Their defense was, was not what it was. And Steelers, people in Pittsburgh actually argue between this team and the 75 team. I give the 78 team the edge because – their defense was a little more seasoned, but the offense was was unreal. And that's the year that the Don Shula and the competition committee – first, that was the year they went from 14 to 16 games. And that was the year that they moved the hash marks in to try to open up the passing game, and they cut back on the Mel Blunt rule, the pass interference rule. Yeah. Those rules were designed to make the Steelers worse. The Steelers had won two Super Bowls earlier in the decade, and it made them better. The defense was still – I you put Don Shula in the competition committee. Right? Uh, yeah, I made a point to mention that, that it was yeah. Don Shula was the head of the competition committee in the steel. Yeah, so so it was designed to make Pittsburgh worse, and then they go ahead and win the next two Super Bowls. And that and that was the year that Bradshaw, Noel, and the offense, everything kind of – and this is kind of talking about how things have changed. Bradshaw wouldn't have survived. How, how quick are we now – 
to pull the, like Drew Locke in Denver. How quick are we now to just say, ah, that guy's not any good. Bradshaw threw like what, 24 picks as a rookie, six touchdowns. Like he wasn't good at all. But by that point, his career, he was, he was 30. He was mature. He grew up with Swan Stallworth. They were hitting their prime. That offensive line was great with Mike Webster. They had Franco who's in the hall of fame, you know, five hall of famers on offense, five on defense. Again, defense was a little bit older, but they were still dominant. Um, they had eleven double. Or they were, had eleven double-digit wins in this in the playoffs. They dethroned the AFC champion Broncos. They beat a very good Oilers team with Earl Campbell, thirty-four to five. And they actually in the Super Bowl they had an eighteen-point lead against Dallas till they went back and prevent. Which kids at home don't do that if you want to be a coach. <laughs> and then you know then Dallas made it closer than the score indicated. I mean, so and Dallas. You know, the big hype around that game was Dallas had won two, no one, and the Steelers had won two. Nobody had ha- ever had won three yet. So that was the big buildup for that Super Bowl was the winner of this game is going to be the team of the decade. The Steelers won it. So, I mean, really, so you look at the 72 Dolphins, 78 Steelers, the Steelers beat the other dynasty of that era. They beat the great Dallas Cowboys with Staubach and Landry and everybody to, to be the champions. So not to mention the Hall of Fame players and everything else I threw at you. Yes, they have the two losses, but they made up for them in the playoffs. Houston gave them one of those losses. They beat them in the playoffs, as I said. So, yeah, to me, that that uh, they are the best team that, of the Super Bowl era, for sure. I am uh, I'm furiously Googling to see. Oh, yes, here we go. You won't believe it, but in 2004, do you know who was on the, uh, a member of the competition committee? Uh, I do not Bungie, know. Ladies and gentlemen, Indianapolis Colts head coach. Weird how that works, right? How the uh, the coaches who are on the competition? It's just like the politics. It's just like speaking the- of Tony Dungy, he led the Steelers in interceptions that season in 1978. Well, well, well. Look at that. Little- and he, but he messed up though. That Super Bowl, he dropped. He missed one of the onside kicks when Dallas when Dallas had that comeback. But I digress. Dallas actually. So I don't know why Dorsett didn't get more carries. That's if there's one way you could have beaten the 78 Steelers. That defense, as I've said a couple times, they were a little bit older. You could have, if you had a really good running game, you could have beaten them as as Earl Campbell did once. Dorsett had, I think, 16 carries in that game for 96 yards. I don't know why Dallas didn't use him more. Maybe it's the Pete Carroll thing with with uh, you know he wanted his quarterback to be the hero with Super Bowl 49, which I know, Will, you've made the you've mentioned is the greatest Super Bowl ever, and I'm not going to argue with you on that one. That's that was a fantastic Super Bowl, but uh, what? Yeah. Now I'm now I'm now I'm googling my list of greatest Super Bowls of all time to see where I ranked. Uh, oh, that's playing a loud autoplay video. What kind of terrible website does that? Uh, the um, no, that's right, let's see. That's uh, trying to think here. Oh, no, well, that's the Cowboys over the Steelers. Trying to find the Steelers over the see. Oh, I oh, hello. Um, I had this ranked as the number five Super Bowl of all time. Yeah, it'd be yeah. number, yeah, I think five, yeah, five of all time, fifth of all time, and. I think one of the things I was going back and doing that list and now I update it every year, but I don't have to go back and watch every Super Bowl over, over again. Cause I had him ranked uh, Terry Bradshaw. I always sort of thought Terry Bradshaw was overrated. I know that's heresy to Steelers fans, man. He could throw the deep ball. Like yeah. that dude could spin it deep. I, I think he would, I don't know. I think he would be fine in today's game. Maybe his accuracy yeah. was never there. I think he would develop the accuracy, but his deep ball passes. I mean, he could just whip it down the field. Yeah, and I think I think I always wonder what he would look like today, but I think he came very similar to Stabler. I think he was perfect for that era because Bradshaw, yes. he loved calling a game. That's back when the quarterback. I wish quarterbacks called the plays now. I know this is 
has nothing to do with our list, Will, but it, two things bother me. It bothers me that, that quarterbacks don't call the plays anymore, and it bothers me when head coaches call plays. I, sure. Like when Stefanski called the play, he, he let uh, – well, he had COVID, so Van Pelt called the plays in the wild card game, called a great game, and then Stefanski took over the next week against uh, the Chiefs, and I thought that the offense got a little tight and predictable at the end. So Bradshaw was perfect for his time. And, and now maybe if his career started in like 78 or 75 when, when the game opened – I think he that would have been even better, right? Like when Dan Fouts started, when Dan yeah. Fouts started, had Bradshaw started at that time, maybe you know he would have been been there. But and that you know, but I mean, maybe he would have won less Super Bowls. He would have won. Oh, for, his stats would have been better, but they would. Yes, he's he, he he probably wouldn't trade when he started when he finished because yes, he had to sacrifice individual success the first three fourths of his career, but that last fourth when the when he matured and the game opened up for him. Yeah, I mean, he, there's, I mean, yes, uh, Brady has surpassed him as the greatest Super Bowl quarterback ever, and maybe Montana did, but, but no, but Bradshaw has four every Super Bowl they won. Bradshaw had the game clinching touchdown pass in the fourth quarter, so he was really, really clutch in those games, as you said, Will. His deep ball was was phenomenal, and he and people he has this dumb label, but and he plays that off. Obviously, sure. he called all those plays. He's yeah. essentially a, an offensive coordinator for four Super Bowl champions. So give him a lot of credit. And, and that was one of the reasons why they were number one. I mean, the quarterback, quarterback alone, he's a much better quarterback than Bob Greasy. And I'd rather have Bradshaw running my team than, than Bob Greasy. I think I called it Brian Greasy earlier, obviously. Or Brian Greasy works for ESPN. Bob Greasy. Yeah, right, right. Sorry. Anyway. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Brian Greasy, not in the Hall of Fame. What am I talking about? No. <laughs> um, that, would be, that would be problematic. The uh, Sorry, Brian and Bob, for the Greasy slander. The uh, d- Would you take Ben or – or Bradshaw, best Steelers quarterback of all time. Ben or Bradshaw? No, no, Ben or Bradshaw. So, Maybe I that's think, podcast. Yeah, that's a good. Po- I would. I so we did the franchise five last year, and I think we picked Ben, me and Ryan Wilson. But but we had a lot of conversation about that. Probably more than Ryan probably wanted when I was DMing him <laughs> and bothering him. He's probably like, dude, I'll just tell him whatever he wants to hear. He's like, he's like hey Ryan, I just want to follow up. On you. Ryan's like, no, I don't want to follow. Like, just yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, whatever. I think the last sentence was, whatever you're good with, I'm good with. Which like, all right, good teammate, good teammate there. But uh, you know, I I my, the nod to me goes to goes to. Ben's a better quarterback, but Bradshaw's a better stealer, in my opinion. To me, okay. it's about rings. I mean, he, I mean, and he's also the last last stealer that won league MVP, and the only stealer that's won league MVP. And the Steelers today aren't what they are if it wasn't for those teams. I mean, those teams will forever live in infamy, especially in Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh was a baseball town before the Steelers had that run in the seventies, and and that's that's all that a lot of that is Bradshaw, like. You know, Joe Green is the greatest dealer ever, and his number is retired. If they retire a second player from that team, it should it should it should be Ben or uh, Bradshaw, and then and then Franco. But yeah, Ben's been awesome. Uh, but but for me, Bradshaw is the franchise quarterback for the Steelers. And it's a great point about how you know sort of these you know, we listen to the teams we're talking about that are on this list, and it doesn't always apply. For instance, the Dolphins and the Raiders have dis their the aura has dissipated because yeah. they haven't continued their success. But these teams, the the Giants, the Packers, the Steelers, um, you know, the 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 Raiders and the Dolphins to an extent, propped up because they were the teams that were dominant for this stretch of the 49ers, you know, same thing. I mean, and they had their they had a little down right. The Cowboys. I mean, these these are the teams that are considered the blue chip teams of the NFL. It's because they won these iconic Super Bowls. They had these iconic teams and you kept expecting them to come back and win and win and win. So 
Uh, yeah, good stuff. This is uh, this is a fun chat, Deodor. This man deep dive into the top ten all times teams of the uh, the modern Super Bowl era. Man, good work on that. Uh, excellent, uh, excellent historian work. And uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about some more stuff, but just more stuff in general. But but right. now I'm kind of fascinated by this list and the and the second best teams of all time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun to do. It was fun to take a little break from from Aaron Rodgers talk. And, oh God, thank you, seriously. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this this is this is my wheelhouse, and I've got a while till twenty seventy when I'm an old man walking around and no one wants <laughs> to talk to me anymore. I, I just heard Brian Wilson's alive in twenty seventy. You're like, hey Wilson, who's the uh, who's the great? Hey, let's Wilson do this like, franchise five again. Uh, Wilson's you know. like, if you show up at my old uh, my retirement home, I will I will kill you. Uh, all right, yeah. brother, great stuff, dude. Yeah, thanks again, guys. Hey man. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.